Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome back to another installment of New Books and Poetry's month-long celebration of the chapbook, Chapbook of Palooza. I am your host, Jen Fitzgerald. Today, we have with us Dan Brady to discuss his new collection. Dan is the author of two chapbooks, Cabin Fever, Fossil Record, from Flying Guillotine Press, and Leroy Sequences, forthcoming this fall from Horseless Press. Recent poems have appeared or will soon appear in Everyday Genius, Hangman, So-and-So, and Elsewhere. He is the poetry editor of Barrel House and lives in Arlington, Virginia, with his wife and son. Welcome, Dan. Hi, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Before we get into the poems, um, I'd love to talk about the creative approach you took to crafting this collection. You write about encountering the layered paintings of Eugene Leroy and that um, acting as the catalyst. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Sure. Um, so I had been on vacation in Paris with my wife, and I saw these poem, these paintings by this guy Eugene Leroy, who um, painted sort of mostly in the latter half of the last century. And his method was to start with something fairly concrete, like he did a lot of nudes, he did a few landscapes, he did um, portraits of people he knew, and he would start off with something you know, that would just be a picture of that person, let's say. Um, but he wouldn't stop there. He would just keep adding layer after layer of paint. So then the final product, you can barely see that there's that figure beneath all the paint. Mm. And the paint actually rises about an inch off the canvas in some cases. So it just has a very interesting textured kind of 3D effect. And um, I was intrigued by the idea that there was a concrete subject there, but that it was obscured through the method of composition. Hmm. And did, did he note in any way what, um, you know, his inspiration was or like what the steps were, or he just wanted the finished product to be what people experienced? Um, well, I think his uh, initially started doing this sort of out of an idea coming from cubism that even though you only see one part of an object, you know, a, a picture, the back of the picture still exists. And um, they're trying to capture all of that in one painting. Um, and I do think his intent was the effect, you know, um, and having the, the viewer kind of have to think about what is actually there that they're looking at. Yeah, it's really interesting. Now, what made you think to um, transfer this to poetry? I just I was intrigued by how he did it, and I wondered if there would be a way to do something similar in poetry. I felt like the connection to language and our ability to communicate or not communicate clearly about what our ideas are, it seemed like a natural connection to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought about it for a while, and the method I came up with is reflected in this chapbook. So how long does it take to craft a single layered poem? 
I would say it take a very long time. <laughs> yeah, it does. I would say the probably the fastest one I've written I worked on for about a month. Um, a lot of them I've sat with for a few months and kind of worked and reworked. The, the hardest part about them is if you change one part, you have to change all the, the whole every page of the poem. So um, it's kind of a task to edit these after you've written them. Yeah, um, I, I want to talk more in detail about the the craft and the poems themselves, but I think that maybe you should read one for the listeners so they understand what we are talking about. Um, and, and due to the exceptional form of these poems, we'll only have time to hear a portion of one. Um, would you read the first uh, layered poem as it is revealed, and we'll um, let the listeners read how it is unraveled when they surely purchase your chapbook. <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> Um, so this is essentially the first half of the cabin fever poem, and um, I will take a brief pause between each page, so that will be the transition mark. Great. How magical it had been. A child like something started our lives. How magical it had been. We were getting heavier. The baby didn't know. Exhausted, impromptu. A child like something started much of our lives. How magical it had been to be back. Shut down, they said. You don't have the option. We were getting heavier. The baby didn't know. Exhausted from a full week of impromptu emergency. A childlike fever. Something we started had abandoned much of our lives. Silence covered everything. Face blind. Didn't know. How magical it had been to be back. Never again. Shut down, they said. A riot of neighbors invited us. You don't have the option. We're getting heavier. The baby didn't know. Exhausted from a full week of impromptu emergency. A massive childlike fever. Time to do something. We started up projects that had been abandoned. Writing poems. Too much of our own lives needed play or anything. But the silence covered everything. Politics, wars, celebrity sightings, Twitter, Facebook, blind reports that didn't know how magical it had been. Glad to be back. We lost power, didn't lose power. This would never happen again. The offices shut down. Be safe, they said. A riot of paper. Our neighbors invited us to join them. You don't have the option. We were getting heavier. You felt the impact. The baby didn't know. His mom and dad, exhausted from a full week of, from work, a full week of anxious and prompt emergency, a massive fight, childlike fever, time to get out, do something. We started up projects that had long been abandoned, writing poems. Too much of our lives needed work, play, or anything, but the silence covered everything: politics, wars, celebrity sightings, everything we Twitter and Facebook blind. The outside world reports no news. Eyes that didn't know, enormous, white, how magical it had been. How we were glad to be back. How we lost power or didn't lose power. This would likely never happen again. Snow started falling around noon, and the offices shut down soon after. We were sent home to be with family. Be safe, they said. The supermarket was a riot of toilet paper and breakfast items. Cereal and bagels, milk and OJ. 
Our neighbors planned to make a big pot of chili and invited us to join them. We made pie. All the best food is made when you don't have the option of going out. By nightfall, we had a solid 12 inches, and the flakes were getting heavier, no longer melting instantly on skin. We felt their impact as the softest thud. The baby didn't know any better. He was happy to be home, as always, with his mom and dad. Mom and dad slept well, exhausted from a full day of play and diapers. Work was canceled for a full week as snowplows struggled to keep up with fresh layers of ice and slush. We were excited, anxious each night to see if the impromptu vacation would continue. Even the president weighed in. There was a blissful state of emergency. Crime rates dropped almost to zero. We organized massive snowball fights. The whole world was childlike. By the seventh day, cabin fever had set in. It was time to get out, leave the neighborhood, do something. We started up projects around the house that had long been abandoned, cleaning the oven, filing away bills, writing poems. We had too much of our own lives, needed work or play or anything for an interruption, but the weather of silence had covered everything. No politics, no wars, no celebrity sightings. Everything was entirely domestic. We checked Twitter and Facebook, but all we talked about was snow. It blinded us to everything else. The outside world only wanted into our little globe and hear reports back. There was no news for us, only jealous eyes that didn't know any better. Finally, Monday came, and we trudged through enormous white banks to enormous white banks. We skidded on patches of ice over grainy highways to our offices to recount to each other how magical it had been, how we drunk mimosas every morning and strong black coffee, how we enjoyed being stuck but were glad to be back how we lost power or didn't lose power, how this would likely never happen again. Thank you very much. Sure. I really love this form. I'm not going to lie. I really do. <laughs> um, can you explain uh, what the jumping off point is? Is it the, the full text? Yeah. Um, so at the center of this poem is that full block of text, which was the last part that I read. Mm -hmm. um, so I write that first and then I typically erase that down to what becomes the first page where it's only you know a handful of words or a phrase mm -hmm. and um, slowly kind of build back page by page to that full page of text and then this poem goes on to um, erase from there back down to just a word or um, you know a, a tiny phrase at the end mm-hmm and and the um, the disassembling, I guess I'd call it that happens after you have already created the the layers. Um, yeah, usually I would do this the sort of build up phase first, and then the disassembling phase is usually an opportunity to kind of take the poem in a different direction. Mm -hmm. um, almost functions like a turn does in a sonnet. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it kind of becomes something totally different by the end. It's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, it looks like it's not for the faint of heart, for sure. <laughs> so do you want to give us an idea of, of what you're working on now? Yeah, um, so I have another chapbook uh, in the same form coming out from Horseless this fall, and um, completing what I think will be a full-length manuscript um, that's six or seven of these poems mixed with some other poems that also use repetition as kind of their main um, 
main tool. Mm-hmm. So I'm completing that and hoping to be sending that out probably in the spring. Awesome. Well, I, I wish we had more time, but um, this is, you know, chapbook segments. So thank you so much for coming on and discussing your collection. Sure. Thanks for having me. This is great. This is Jen Fitzgerald with New Books and Poetry, reminding you to support all the arts, but especially poetry. Mm-hmm.